You're road tripping to America's best music venues with Kyle Lamar. On this episode, we're in Sullivan, Maine, a quiet town that's loudly inspiring. ConcertCast, the podcast, is an audio atlas filled with music maps, conversations, and discoveries to help you navigate America's soundscape and tune in to every state's live music scene. Concert culture is travel-centric, and every venue has a voice. So let us go and listen. Created and hosted by Kyle Lamont. This episode is made possible thanks to The Granite Garden, an interactive art gallery in Sullivan where you can explore the colorful quarry and meet the artist who carves jaw-dropping granite sculptures. Find The Granite Garden on Wales Back Road in Sullivan. And yes, it rocks. I'm Kyle Lamont, and my hometown doesn't have any big music venues. Unless you count the gazebo in the park or the gymnasiums in the local schools. But nevertheless, it's noteworthy. Because for creative people, this place manifests art, music albums, or for Craig Grossi, who I'll be catching up with in this episode, his book. Sullivan is situated on the rocky coast of Frenchman's Bay, and it overlooks Mount Desert Island. From Bar Harbor, as the crow flies, it's a 15-minute boat ride. But get this, a 40-minute drive that takes you around the Hancock Peninsula and eventually over the Taunton Bay Bridge, once known as the Singing Bridge, because it was made of steel and the inside of your car and bridge would hum while driving over it. Once you cross this bridge, you're officially in Sullivan. This town has roughly 1,500 people, and with the help of surrounding towns like Sorrento, Goldsboro, Franklin, and Winter Harbor, or Winter Haba, we're able to sustain our local grammar and high schools. There's one small general store called Dunbar's, and our town's newest addition is a Dollar General, which was definitely met with dismay, but sadly, it's everyone's savior in a bad winter storm. We're a town where bingo and bean suppas are what fill up the parking lot at the rec center. My ancestors from my father's side hail from Bangor, Maine. And as the story goes, my grandfather, a veteran of World War II and later a pharmaceutical engineer, would drive here as a teenager. He would set up camp, and I imagine he would do just as we do now, take in the stellar view. Fast forward 20 years when he met my grandma after the war at a homecoming dance. They fell in love and turned this small patch of land into their home. Fast forward another 50 years or so, and me and my siblings inherited the cottage. While remodeling, I came across old blueprints and letters of correspondence that my grandfather had with his contractor, who helped build the cottage with him. It was a tearful discovery, but then, while working with my own contractor, toiling on the house, updating floors, roofs, and design, I would imagine my grandfather pouring concrete, framing the house, etc., etc., it's as if we were working in tandem, and I felt more connected to him than ever. Fast forward another five years, in this small patch of land with the most stunning view in Maine, if I do say so myself, is now part-time home and part-time summer rental for travelers from all over the world. I named the cottage the Lucky Stone Retreat after the smooth rocks with white rings around them that you'll find on the private beach, and also because I'm so damn lucky to call this place home. Here, you'll be lulled to sleep by listening to waves lap onto the beach while loons sing in the distance and wake up to the sound of lobstermen steaming out for their morning haul. The rumble of engines are accompanied by a chorus of cardinals, chickadees, and crows. Every afternoon, like clockwork, a smooth breeze sweeps across the bay and dances with the poplar leaves. 
the tranquil power of the sound removes your restless thoughts. And when the incandescent glow from Golden Hour lights up Cadillac Mountain, you can't help but feel alive. At night, the stars are so bright that you can almost hear them twinkle, and the moonbeam reflecting off the water will illuminate your dreams. At the Lucky Stone Retreat, the emotional landscape is layered, where solitude and connection are one and the same, and sounds syncopate with the seasons. I want everyone to experience this place, which is why I Airbnb the Lucky Stone Retreat. And to be honest, it helps with property taxes. So I started looking, you know, just on Airbnb and and, I started looking out in Virginia and West Virginia and then Pennsylvania and, you know, kind of in the the Blue Ridge Mountain area where I'm familiar with. And nothing was really jumping off the screen at me. And I kept going further and further north. And uh, I just saw I saw water and mountains. You know, I'm not even really sure how much I really looked at the pictures of the house itself at Lucky Stone. And it was really just about that. You know, the fact that my only time in Maine before that was on my way to Afghanistan. And we stopped in Bangor. From You fly from Cali to Bangor. And I remember all the troop greeters and all these amazing people that came and spent time with us. And they were the first ones to greet us on the way back too. And But it was kind of the unknown, just jumping in the deep end, you know, and swim or, or, or sink, you know. And, and I, I liked that idea. I liked that neither of us had really ever been there before. And, and uh, we would be uh, isolated, but, you know, not in a bad way and in a way that really made made it feel real in terms of the the book and the story and what we were really undertaking. That's Craig Grossi. He completed his memoir at the Lucky Stone titled Fred and Craig, a story about a Marine, a stray dog, and how they rescued each other. I I just kind of spotted him between defending ourselves, you know, just between trying to hold this little base that we had. And, you know, right away, I just knew he was cool. I knew he was interesting and there was something different about him and something kind of magical about him because it's just the way he kind of trotted around um, the battlefield and the the compound we were in. And and uh, the first chance I got, I had to check him out, you know, and I walked up to him and I was expecting, you know, he's going to growl. He's going to raise his cackles and try to get me to leave him alone, you know, because he clearly never been approached before. But uh, he surprised me, uh, you know, and I got kind of close to him and he, and he wagged his tail. and that, you know, was the last thing I expected. And it's turned out to be this very definitive moment in his life, but also in mine, because it, it kind of set the tone for the way I would try to handle the challenges of getting out of the military and of, of dealing with the memories and the pain of, of Afghanistan and the friends that I lost. And, I, you know, and, and I would try and do my best. And I still do, you know, to, to take a page out of Fred's book. And, and uh, whenever I'm faced with with adversity or, or challenges, you know, and, and reasons that I would otherwise, you know, feel validated and in, in reacting negatively, I always try and, and find a reason to, to wag my tail. I've called him from my studio in Ellsworth to talk about his writing Hello. retreat at the Lucky Stone. Hello. But way before he even arrived in Sullivan, him and Fred took an epic road trip, a highly recommended form of therapy. You know, of, of what is therapeutic and one person's doesn't work for everybody, but I've always found you know, the road to be, you know, kind of a place that I find peace and and purpose, you know, and even if it's just figuring out, you know, where you're going to sleep that night or what hotel you're going to stay at or what campsite you're going to or, you know, or where you're going to get lunch, you know, like whatever. The process has always, you know, just put me in a good place mentally and doing it with with Fred back in 2015 when at least on that that particular road trip that I wrote about in my book with with Fred and, and my friend Josh, another veteran, you know, like it really was 
the adventure behind it and the unknown that we were really excited about, you know, and we didn't plan as long as we had a full tank of gas and a couple dollars, like we were going to have a good time. Since then, we've done a lot of trips, you know, in different ways and different vehicles. And, you know, and uh, my girlfriend and I and, and our other dog, Ruby, you know, we travel constantly and, you know, it's just going to be a memory regardless of it's good or bad, you know, and you can always use it and you can always find something in it. Once the memoir had taken shape, he acquired an agent. It was time to complete it. They arrived in Sullivan during a snowstorm and stayed until his last sentence. I completed my last sentence at the Lucky Stone and turned it in at the end of April. And I hired a collaborator to kind of work it, you know, in terms of like massaging the text and editing and kind of pre-editing. So when we submitted it to HarperCollins, you know, they, they sent back, you know, like a, a couple pages of edits, but it was very minimal, um, which is pretty, pretty great feeling. But yeah, it was finishing the book and closing the computer. You know, that, that was a, definitely a great, a great moment. And it felt really good. Nice. And I really did appreciate your nod or just mention of Sullivan and, you know, being at a cottage that my grandfather, who's also a veteran, had built. That was something I didn't expect. I didn't even expect you to mention Sullivan in general. So it really came as a nice surprise. But that mentality of the kinship that all veterans share across generations, I, I really respected that. And would love to know more about how, you know, no matter what generation it is, like you can relate to veterans. Yeah. Anybody that's ever signed their name to that dotted line and, you know, whether it's peacetime or wartime or, or any different generation, you have a kind of that instant bond. And it's really comes down to, you know, just the idea of serving uh, your country. Yeah, sure. But when I think about the people that I served alongside, we served each other, you know, and we looked out for each other. You know, it's under the umbrella of serving your country, but at its most pure, you know, you're really looking out for the person on your left and right. And Craig and Fred continue to spread their message of stubborn positivity. Their volunteership at the prison is part of a new book that Craig is working on. You know, and so there's a lot more to it than that. And I'm hoping that I can do something similar with, you know, with with this book is, you know, kind of shed light on, on a lot of the issues that, you know, people face within our correctional system and, you know, around it, you know, and kind of do that through dogs, you know, kind of use them as a doorway. It's no accident that Fred made it out. And, uh, you know, it's kind of my duty to share this story and this dog with the world. How will Sullivan always be remembered for you? Sullivan will always have like a huge place in in my heart, you know, and and Norris too, because it's where we fell in love with a whole state, but it's where so much of what we've always dreamed about, you know, kind of came true. I mean, I talk about it just about every event that I have, every speaking event, I talk about Sullivan and I talk about, you know, how, how I ended up there and, and how, you know, my first time in Maine was on my way to Afghanistan and how kind of bonkers it is that the second time I was in Maine was, you know, with a car full of stuff, you know, and my whole family. And we were just like all in on this place we'd, ne- we'd never been before, you know, and, and uh, that's just kind of the way we do it. And, we got just as much back as we put into to Sullivan. So we're all, we'll always be, you know, just eternally grateful to that community. It sounds like Fred is missing Sullivan in the background. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's talking <laughs> at something, yeah. The Lucky Stone has hosted travelers from all over the world, from Australia to Alabama, Costa Rica to the Carolinas. And while guests are staying there, if I'm not traveling, I relocate to North Sullivan. 
Back in the late 1800s, North Sullivan used to be one of the state's biggest exporters of granite. Today, the quarries that were once bustling mines are now swimming holes where locals go to rage. Let's just say North Sullivan is a bit shady. It's gritty. It's affordable. So yes, it's an artist enclave. Up next, we catch up with Audrey Ryan. She's an indie rocker and singer-songwriter who lives in North Sullivan. Bright light social hours enveloping song, The Sea of the Edge has a music video. From Good to Go Studios and director Kyle Lamont, watch Love at Last Light, a love story about two travelers who rendezvous at a lighthouse in Maine. GoodToGoStudios.com to watch. On Taunton Drive in Sullivan, Maine, a road where farmhouses with flourishing gardens coalesce with battered trailers that have decaying lobster boats parked out front, some of our state's most influential artists have home studios and rustic galleries. The town's post office is on this road. There's even a random head shop. Artists are drawn to affordability and accessibility to beauty. So I guess it goes without saying that there's both of that here. We'll start at the Luna Forum. It's on Track Road, a small little road off of Taunton, and it's an artisanal business that specializes in pots and vases. But these are not your average clay pots and vases. They're gigantic, yet extremely elegant. The owners, Fid and Shannon Lawless, have a proprietary process that yields incredible works of art, which can be found in gardens across the country, as well as the Smithsonian, the New York Botanical Garden, and Mass General Hospital. They're open to the public, and watching them make one of these things is bonkers. Practically next door is Philip Frey, whose art, according to Carl Little, a highly esteemed art critic from Ellsworth, occupies the nexus between contemporary painting and brushy traditionalism. Frey's home studio is cozy, and he offers so many awesome workshops and mentorships around the state. A Frey painting is bright and colorful and truly sincere. It's hard to look at a working waterfront around these parts the same way after seeing one of his paintings. A ways down is the very famous Philip Barter. When you arrive at his studio, a smile will dawn on your face. Why? Well, because of the high-end colorful art meets lawn ornaments that adorn his yard. Chances are Philip or his wife will greet you as you enter, and the kookiness of the moment, like, where the F am I, gives way to, wow, is this for real? When you head inside to his gallery, your jaw will hit the ground. Again, according to Little, I mean, why try and describe art when someone can do it way better than me? The peel of Barter's stylized renderings of trees and rivers and mountains and clouds is powerful. His ability to extract the essence of the landscape provokes marvel. He sees the geometry of a peak, the jagged coursing of woodlands and streams, a snowfield's curving contours. His palette, often not for the faint of hue, underscores his lively vision. To see his work in person is, like Little says, marvelous. And there have definitely been times when driving around, exploring new roads, I stop and think, yeah, this is a barter painting right here. You just see it. If you keep driving down this road, you'll eventually make it to Franklin. That is, if the 10-foot potholes don't pop all your tires. 
But we're backtracking because Audrey Ryan, a touring musician, also lives on this road. Ryan was born on Mount Desert Island and used to live in Ellsworth. She's toured all over the country and was a regular performer at South by Southwest. She's even toured around Europe. She lives on Taunton Drive in North Sullivan half of the year and the other half in Boston, where she's a psychologist and teacher. I have a private practice, so I work in counseling. I've done that for the past 10 years. I had to go back to school and like get a job and <laughs> make money because, uh, you know, when I, I did music through from all of my 20s and then at some point I was like, yeah, I don't know how this is going to go. So I still do music, but only for it's more for fun for me now. It's not I'm not trying to make money off of music, which makes it a lot more fun. I met Ryan after her show at Fogtown in Ellsworth. Believe me, when I went to Fogtown, I, I almost fell over. And the first time I went there, like last summer, the summer before. I just couldn't believe that something so cool was in Ellsworth because <laughs> I grew up in Ellsworth, basically, Bar Harbor and Ellsworth. And I was like, Ellsworth has never been cool ever. And all of a sudden, it's kind of cool. Like, there's two breweries. I love Finn's. It's like my favorite restaurant. I like the Mainly Grind. I mean, I love Rooster Brothers, Jonathan Edwards and the Grand. I mean, I actually like Ellsworth. I think it's a really cool town, which I just never felt when I was growing up. I was always like, oh, Ellsworth. <laughs> I've called her at her home in Boston. I have you in my phone as Audrey Taunton Drive neighbor. I have you as Kyle Sullivan. I wanted to have this convo with her in person all summer, but summertime in Maine is fleeting. Blink and it's gone. Her show at Fogtown was incredible. It had gravitas and there was never a dull moment. She was switching instruments as fast as a mosquito to a tourist. You're freaking amazing, Audrey. Is it sort of a fun challenge maybe to find like new instruments and to tinker around and see how it might work within your... Yeah, I mean, it's it can be trickier using different instruments live, but uh, and certainly it's always easy. Everything's easier when you record it because if you mess it up, you just go back and do it again. But live, yeah, I mean, I, I've also uh, used the kalimba, which is a cool instrument, but very odd. Like it's it's not even in tune really, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> So, you know, I probably would use practically any instrument that I could figure out how to play. Because some of these instruments, it's not like I am really good at any of them. I just am I'm musical enough to figure out how to play them. I probably have like five or six different keyboards. And so every now and again, I'll, if I come across a keyboard that I've never seen before and I'm like, oh, that one looks really cool, then, you know, I purchase it. I definitely do not need any more keyboards for sure. But if it's like a good price, I'll just buy it and then kind of make it into a song or something like that. I, I used to use an old Casio tone that had really weird sounds, like very dated retro sounds, and wrote some pretty cool songs with it because it was just unique. So I, I like off the beaten path stuff. I'm not really interested in like really mainstream music. I'm definitely more into quirky you know, instrumental, yeah, like more avant-garde stuff. During our conversation at Fogtown, when she told me she lived in North Sullivan, my heart soared. And to find out we lived on the same road, well, I was floored. I mean, it sounds fancy. It is a second home for us. So, like, we were just wanted something that had plumbing. That was, like, our big requirement. It was, like, we want something with plumbing. Because <laughs> a lot of main places that are cheap, you know, just have an outhouse. They fell in love with North Sullivan's old post office, which was built in 1880. So the first floor was the post office and the second floor was the alderman's office. 
and it was converted into like a two family in 1990, I think, by a guy that lives down the road on Totten Drive. He, I've talked to him a couple. I've, I've like met him because he told me about what he did with the house. We kind of fell in love with it. Like the, the floors are incredible. It's like the best part of the house is the floors. And there's also granite, like the foundation is granite, which obviously in Sullivan, North Sullivan, is all these quarries. I just feel like it's very original to that area and it has a historical element to it. I just felt like that was a great place to be. And I prefer to be in North Sullivan for a couple of reasons. One, it's closer to the ocean than like the Tonk Lake thing once you go inland. And it's closer to like Ellsworth, which unfortunately, whether or not you want to, you have to go to Ellsworth <laughs> to get certain things. I love biking around there with my kids. We have a, a bike tent at the back of the bikes and we walk around a lot up to Quarry Road and up the quarry. That would be like the quarry where people go swimming. You could write a song about the quarry, which is just wild. That quarry. Do you go there to swim? I've been there and I went a couple times this summer, but it is, it's, it's its own little culture going it on sure, there. It's, it sure is. It's kind of sketchy at times. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also like, this is real Maine. You know, I, I, we go there and, you know, try to just act like, you know, this is Maine. This is what it is. You know, you, I, I try not to ever pretend I'm better than anything else. When I ask her why she thinks that so many artists live in this part of town, she says... I also think that, I mean, that's the same thing in cities, too, that, that artists get pushed out to places that are maybe less desirable to, to people with money. And artists tend to not have a lot of money. So it makes sense to me that they're in places that are like, because one of the reasons we ended up at Sullivan, it was just cheaper, but it just turns out to be a really awesome place to be. And, and kind of part of you just wants to keep it a secret, you know, and be like, okay, don't come to Sullivan so we can keep it cool. And, and you know, only we know about it or something. She loves North Sullivan so much she convinced her bestie from Boston to move in next door. We're kind of raising our kids together to a degree and just hanging out, making food, playing music, you know, watching Handmaid's Tale together because we have to watch it together because we get too scared otherwise. I don't know. It's just so fun to have her there. I kind of imported her there. And she loves Bain and she's very social and really friendly. So anyone I meet, she meets and you know, a lot of times she, she makes more of an effort than I do half the time to like really keep in touch with people and yeah, I just love having her around. She's a big part of my life. Like, we'll probably retire together to Maine or something. When choosing to live in Down East Maine, you are in many ways choosing solitude, which oftentimes provides moments of self-exploration. Same idea goes for Ryan. Choosing to be a solo artist helped her make more music. Drawn to being a solo artist, not because I wanted to be a solo artist. I really didn't. But I just found it so hard to be in bands because people are busy or they're, in a, you know... You can never find time to rehearse. But when you play alone, it's like on your terms. And it just forced me to be really creative. And I'm glad it did because I never would have come up with all the music I've done in the last 10 years unless I was kind of forced to be a solo artist and to kind of make my own. And then so I, I've been a one-man band for most of my music career. I'm not a loner, but I, am, I don't mind being alone. So I kind of took advantage of that. Like I just was able to travel on my own and, and make music on my own terms. And I'm really glad I did that. Ryan has close to 10 albums under her belt and has seen her fair share of venues in the country and even Europe. What was that like road tripping to all these different venues for you? I mean, it was fun, but it was also nerve wracking because you never knew what to expect. You know, there were times when it was like pretty scary being alone, but it was also really fun. I met so many cool people. I always really liked being surprised. 
It didn't happen a lot, but I remember I always loved it when a gig was way better than I thought it was going to be, like when I was pleasantly surprised. I mostly just liked meeting people. I used to tour in Ireland quite a bit, and Irish people are just so nice. They really are. I remember one time I had like the wrong address, and I went to the wrong venue because I had like an old tour itinerary from my booking agent before he gave me the new one, or I don't know, something got messed up. So I showed up at the wrong venue, had to quickly rush to get to this new venue, and then found out that this woman had specifically come there from like Dublin just to see me play. And it was like, wow, you really did that? Like, it was always nice when people actually cared. You know, it was meeting people that actually really like music and were there to support you, even though you're not famous, you're not making a lot of money, but you're traveling and you're doing something you love. Ryan is a high commodity in the summertime. Main venue owners are quick to book her out, but for her, playing on an island can be one of the highlights for her summer. What I love about the main music venues in our area is sort of how it's sort of a journey to get to them, mm-hmm. you know, but when you get there, it's like worth the effort and yeah. you sort of settle in. And then I'm imagining here on the island, like you're even spending the night, you know, you sort of have to make a whole like weekend around it. Well, I've actually played out in Monhegan multiple times because two of my friends are married live out there year-round now. She's the teacher, and he runs that cafe that we played at, the Barnacle. Going out there is like, it's an ordeal. It's an hour and 10-minute ferry ride. You can't bring cars on that island, so you have to just carry everything. And so, thank God, my friend that lives there, you know, has a drum set, has an amp. So all I do is bring my accordion and guitar or whatever, and then just borrow everything else there. So that's very unique. And and you have to go out there for at least one night because it's impossible to, they only have like three ferries a day. So you're stuck there for at least one night. And it's not stuck. It's beautiful. It's the most, I love Monhegan. I'm like in love with that island. And I'm so happy to go there every time I get invited back, which is almost every year. I mean, I love Maine. I'm pretty obsessed with Maine, but um, I also love the islands. When you pulled out, like when I saw you play at Fogtown, I was like, oh, this is cool. Da, da, da. You know, how how charming at first, you know, look at this woman, you know, she's looping and she's singing these great songs. And then you pulled out a recorder and that was like lights out. I was like, hands up. I was like, this woman is taking things just a little bit differently here. You know, and then like it just started getting a little weirder from there. And that's what I just really love about your music is you're using these really bizarre instruments, but you're making beautiful sounds with them. I just love looping. I like live recording. And at first, you a lot of people, when they use it, they just use like a guitar. And that's kind of boring to me. It's like, okay, we can use a guitar, but then you have to use other things. So like I love using the vibraphone and the xylophone. And, you know, the kazoo is sort of a, a newer thing, but I've, I've used banjo, omnichord. I mean, really, the sky's the limit with looping. It just gets a little tricky making sure you don't mess up the loop. And if managing so many instruments in live looping wasn't enough, add on top of that song lyrics. My personal favorite song is called So Strung Out from her new album, Buggy Spell, which is about, well, adulting. I think when I wrote that song, it was probably about being strung out about something. I mean, like a lot of, not really so much now because my life is a lot more straightforward as to what I'm up to and what I'm doing. But when I was younger playing music, I think I used to get very stressed out about like, where's my life going? What does it all mean? Kind of the existential crisis of choosing to be an artist versus choosing to 
do more kind of conventional things, like just get a job and live your life sort of thing. So it was kind of about that, I think, about feeling strung out about being an artist or, or choosing that. Because it's, it's about self-doubt. I think that song's really about feeling self-doubt. Thankfully, I do not feel much self-doubt right now. But I used to feel quite a bit of it. It's beautiful. Even though it's full of doubt, it has like a comforting tone to it, which I really love. A strange party in North Sullivan helped inspire the song, It's Just the Way I Am. I couldn't tell if they were on some substances or what was going on. And I just sort of left. I was like, "Ah, I think I've had enough of this party. It wasn't even a party. It was like six people in the house. And so I kind of left. And the husband of this weird couple followed me out to my car. And he's like, he could tell that I was leaving because I was kind of done with the scene. And he says, listen, I'm sorry for the way I am. It's just the way I am. And I kind of looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, that is like the perfect accordion song. I'm sorry for the way I am. It's just the way I am. And then I wrote that song and I, I still think of Sullivan and and that moment of like meeting this weird guy. I'm sorry for the way I am. It's just the way I am. And the song Alan's Coffee Brandy is about an iconic main drink that, when mixed together with milk, tastes just like iced coffee. The sweet flavor and how easy it goes down can take you right to blackout town. It's just been really kind of a weird main, kind of like, you know, Maine has whoopie pies and lobsters and blueberries and it has Alan's Coffee Brandy. So I wrote the song about that because my mother used to always joke about Alan. She'd be like, oh, Alan's Coffee Brandy, you should write a song about it. My parents get me to do things. It's funny. They are always like, you should write a song about this. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then eventually I do do that. Her parents got the ball rolling and the rest of the lyrics were crowdsourced while at gigs. My dad gave me the first lyric. It's like Alan's Coffee Brandy, number one seller in Maine, which it is, or at least it was. I think Fireball is now getting up there because people drink that nip. But the next line was um, Down East Panty Remover. That's their claim to fame. And that was my dad who told me that lyric. He's like, it's Down East Panty Remover. And I'm like, okay, Dad. All right, I'll put that in the song. One lyric I didn't really get to use because I couldn't fit it in the song, but I thought it was a funny story, is that there was apparently an article in like the Bangor Daily News about Allen's where some cop said, we don't have an alcohol problem in Maine, we have an Allen's problem, which I just thought was hilarious. What is the saddest part for you about leaving Sullivan or a bittersweet sentiment of leaving Sullivan knowing that, you know, it's your summer home and just sort of that whole essence of leaving but looking forward to coming back? Yeah, I think it's just too long, you know. I I usually don't get back there until, like, Memorial Day. I mean, I have come up there for the holidays, and sometimes we'll come up in, like, the winter, but it's just tough to go anywhere with two kids. So I just, I miss it. I really do. I miss Maine. I I miss the vibe. I miss my friends. But it's also something to look forward to all year, you know, as you're getting through, like, the long winter and, and work. Can't wait.
Talk to you soon then. Okay. Have a great weekend. All righty. Thank okay. you, Audrey. Take care. Bye. 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 North Sullivan is what Ryan says, a place that is better left a secret. But considering a new $45 million high school is being built to replace the old yet charming one here, our secret might be out. So much is yet to be determined on what this means for our town, but I digress. Like Audrey, when the weather changes, I leave too. Although I admit, with age, it's getting harder and harder. Thoreau left Walden, the woods in which he was so eager to live in, because he began to fall into routine. He says, I left the woods for as good as a reason as I went there. Perhaps it seemed to me that I had several more lives to live and could not spare any more time for that one. And that's exactly what travel offers. A new perspective, a new way of living. Traveling allows you to live new lives, learn more and apply what you learn when you come back home. When leaving Sullivan, I jump into my forerunner. I grip onto the steering wheel, which is patinaed a lot like a railing at a music venue. I settle into my seat and turn the key. As I go over a mental checklist of everything, the fear of leaving familiarity dissipates. I rev my engine and the wonderlust awakens. As I drive away, I always make sure to honk twice, a ritual I picked up from my grandpa and later my dad, who would honk when departing on a big trip. I guess it's superstitious at this point, a fond farewell, for now, to Sullivan, to my home, to my magnet. I watch Cadillac Mountain disappear, and as I roll across the Taunton Bay Bridge, I crank the music. Because when going on a journey, I go with song. Next episode, we drive down the prettiest road in Maine and visit with Emma Thieme of Maven Leather Bags and Motorcycle Seats at her studio in Cherryfield before heading to a music venue in Prospect Harbor called The Pickled Wrinkle. Subscribe, rate, and review ConcertCast on your podcast app of choice. Type in ConcertCast.live for a music-centric itinerary and to learn how you can be part of the show. And find us on Spotify to listen to our main music playlist. This has been a Good To Go Studios production made in Ellsworth, Maine. Our resident mastermind is Mark Tuckershan. Our editor and engineer is Pete McGill. Special thanks to Jeff Dobbs at Dobbs Productions, to Craig Grossi, Nora and Fred. Special thanks to Audrey Ryan for her time and wicked awesome songs. And to Pepper Little, Abby Rock Jessamine, Corey Chandler, Amy Charlie, Emma Timi, Eddie Contento, Jesse Kudo, and thank you for listening. <laughs>